This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. This episode is brought to you by Accenture. A better you starts with better hydration. Accenture is on a mission to inspire people to do what matters most. Their proprietary ionization process transforms water from any source into ionized alkaline water, providing water that's 99.9% pure with a pH of 9.5 or higher. Essentia Overachieving H2O, the number one ionized alkaline water. Shop now. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. The Hargan women seemed to have it all. We were blessed. My mom was amazing. But detectives would soon discover... Inside the house, there were the bodies of two women. A story of betrayal you would struggle to believe if it wasn't true. I am just praying to God, this is a sick joke. From 48 Hours, this is Blood is Thicker, the Hargan family killings. Listen to Blood is Thicker, the Hargan family killings, wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Olive Magazine podcast, a weekly roundup of food and drink chat brought to you by the team behind Olive Magazine. I'm Janine, Olive's food director and podcast host, and this is episode 152. This week, I travelled to Toonsbridge Dairy in County Cork to meet up with an inventive cheesemaker who's creating authentic Italian cheeses in the Irish countryside, and he's just brought a herd of buffalo to help him out. Then later, I catch up with cookie writer Adam to talk all about rice and why it's one of our most widely loved ingredients. Okay, so I'm here in beautiful uh, Toonsbridge and with Toby Simmons, who is the owner of Toonsbridge Dairy. Um, It's not what you would expect uh, a normal Irish dairy to be because you've you've got a slightly quirky quirky angle, haven't you? Um, We... We make southern um, Mediterranean cheeses, I yeah. suppose, is our big label. But yeah. we, we have, we're particularly specialist in mozzarella and what we call pasta filata cheeses. Yeah. But we also have a flock of milking sheep up the road yeah. that we produce a lot of Greek style cheeses and we dabble with Portuguese recipes and we're quite broad. So can you tell us how you got stuck? Because it's, it's quite a big jump to suddenly start making Italian cheese in the... Uh, cork. <laughs> so my original business, um, when I was 20 years old, I started in the fantastic market in Cork called the English Market. Oh, um, yeah, we're going to visit that later on today. Yeah. And we have we started with what we call the olive stall. We and we found a supply. I found a supply when I was 20 years old in Germany and France on the border. Yeah. And we so we started selling olives and by extension feta and pesto and then mozzarella and buffalo mozzarella. And we started importing it. And sort of took this mad decision that we were going to get a local farmer to get buffaloes and make buffalo mozzarella in Ireland. 
So you were going to get a local farmer to go and source some buffaloes? Well, I sourced them. All right. Then we got <laughs> it and he thought I was mad. But anyway, we went with it. And that went so far and we split up and he has his own business now as well with um, making mozzarella. And then after that, we basically had to diversify even more right. from just making buffalo mozzarella to a whole range of cow's milk mozzarella and scamorza and these hard cheeses that look like eggs called cacio cavallo. Yeah. And we also have the Italian Vincenzo Lamana milking sheep. And it's sort of in the last three years, it's become. So where did the, so I think you said earlier when we were doing the tour of the dairy that you, you actually went to Italy to learn. You didn't just decide you were going to make these cheeses and just start doing it. You actually went over to Italy and found the source. Tell us about that. There was, there were two things that, I mean, we just bought. Buffaloes again, actually, we just had 42 released from quarantine last week. Oh my God, that you've brought over from Italy? Just in the last, yeah, so 64 buffaloes with our cow's milk farmer as well, and he's desperately (laughs) trying to milk the first two, which he's getting his head around quite well. Is it a different job, milking a a buffalo to milking a cow? Extremely different. They are (laughs) such an incredible temperament. I was going to say how they're a bit grumpy about being milked up. He said one day they go absolutely fine and they just stand there and the next day they won't let any milk down for him. (laughs) Um, They are tricky and anyone who's ever dealt with a buffalo will (laughs) back me up. Um, But there were two strands to the whole um, thing. One was to source buffaloes and work out how to bring buffaloes in and farm buffaloes. And then the second thing was how to make cheese, how to get all the equipment yeah, and to work out how to really make the, the level of mozzarella like you find not in the supermarkets, in the artisan dairies in Italy. And there's, right. a, there's a very big difference. It's not a raw milk product, but it's not a pasteurized milk product. Right. And they do a very critical thing, which is using whey starter, which yeah. is best described as backslopping. And it's I prefer to describe it as... Um, as um, like sourdough bread making. All oh, right, so you're you're using a starter that you can use again and again exactly. to add certain characteristics to the absolutely. Yeah. The, the the whey starter is it's yesterday's whey. Yeah, and we see it. It just changes all the way through the season, but it, it absolutely it adds this unquantifiable flavour yeah. element. You know. So how did you? Um, I think you said you you looked upon been shown how to make these cheeses in Italy. You kind of basically knocked on a few doors. I knocked on the consortium of mozzarella. And <laughs> I was... can't believe they're like, I'm not that. It's just that you'd think that they would be like closely guarded. I secret. thought they'd be really, I thought it was yeah. going to be thrown out of my ass with them. <laughs> Gennaro said, oh, cork. I was in cork for two years yeah. learning English. I love cork. So straight up to the, he was number yeah. two in charge, straight up into the office and he starts telephoning all these little artisan yeah. dairies and we got an artisan dairy in Capua. And in fact, the cheesemaker who worked in Capua a couple of years later came over to Ireland for two years right. and worked with us. And oh, he came over to work with you? Yeah, wow. it's fantastic. There's great memories of Franco. So how long did you spend kind of learning the, learning the ropes, as it were? Uh, we spent two weeks and then when we actually got buffalo milk ourselves in Ireland... Everything we'd learned didn't work. Right. <laughs> and the, the um, technically the reasons are that the first yeah. um, milking of a heifer is going to have a really imbalanced type of milk. It's going to have huge protein and very low fat. Right. And the protein sort of blocks all the bacteria from working. And we didn't know that at the time, but I know it now. And 
there was all kinds of problems that we had. And then we did you ever feel like just go and sod it? It's not going to work. <laughs> we were wondering. It must and be so frustrating because we didn't know if, yeah. if whether it would work. You know, yeah. And then we got an, an Italian uh, consultant in, and within two days we had mozzarella. It was okay. Yeah. And then it wasn't until Franco arrived that we really had mozzarella, that we, yeah. we had something that Italians in Ireland were telling us was better than yeah. what they were eating at home. And then once you'd sort of conquered the mozzarella, why, um, I think you said the process of making mozzarella, there are other cheeses like in the family? Is that why you were making, yeah. or you're making all the other so cheeses? when myself and the buffalo mozzarella, part, um, the buffalo farmer parted ways and we started working with cow's milk, which... Right which at the, just at the moment, in a few weeks, we'll have buffalo milk in again. We suddenly started exploring the whole, what's called pasta filata family. And it goes, it's very interesting. It goes from really wet, fresh mozzarella to yeah. aged, like you'd see in Italy, five-year-old aged caciocavallo. This hard, flinty cheese that is amazing. There's burrata, there's stracciatella, which yeah. is the, the centre of the burrata. Um, of course, you make ricotta. The minute you make mozzarella, you've got whey and you you make ricotta as well. I love the fact it's all kind of organic and everything happens naturally that you've got the thing, you've got, you've made that and then you've got the thing to make that. Yeah, yeah. We've, uh, we were saying we make butter with the, um, the, the leftover cream from the mozzarella. Yeah, because well. I didn't realise there was cream. I couldn't get my head around it. I was like, but if you make cheese, surely the cream goes into the cheese. But with mozzarella, you... Add the water in. What happens with uh, mozzarella making is you, you mozzarella for everyone out there who's yeah. worried about this, <laughs> is quite a low fat cheese. Yeah, because is. you knock out a lot of cream out of the, the curd yeah. when you're when you're spinning it. Yeah, and you can you can capture that cream again. We put it in with our ricotta as well, and it makes a much creamier ricotta. Yeah, um, you know, it, nothing goes to waste. Yeah, that's great. And you. Um, and because you had all this cheese lying around, you just decided to get a pizza oven in as well, which is yeah. a great shout, <laughs> I must say. And um, yeah, that's, that opened up a whole other avenue again. And it's like turned into this fabulous business of a wood-fired pizza oven. Yeah. Um, we do Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And most of the products, you know, there's it's either our real olive company stalls yeah. with olives and brilliant Italian or Spanish meats and so on and so forth, or stuff from the dairy. Yeah, who make, who makes the pizza? We've just got a new fella in called <laughs> Robert. <so. laughs> and is he a Robert bit of a, it. he knows what he's doing with the dough? And uh, yeah, no, he came from one of our clients who's got a wood-fired pizza oven. And actually last year we we lost that. We had a fantastic Brazilian fella. And right. it ended up my 15-year-old daughter taking every Friday off school and making pizzas. Really? <laughs> she loved it. And she was, <laughs> she and she really, was good at it. She, she was really, really good, good at it. Yeah. She's in transition yet, so it was, yeah. it was okay. So what I mean, what are you what are your plans for the future then for just expanding on different cheeses or uh, I'd like to have I, I, we see the cheeses two track. One, you have your bread and butter, mozzarella, right. lumi, and scamozza, probably the tree. Yeah. And then you have a sort of an artisan. A bit wing, more specialist. Which, much, much more specialized, much more tailored to our, our selling ourselves on markets yeah. and stuff. And I, I'd imagine we, we're outgrowing where we are now. So yeah. we'd probably have to move some of it to another location, but we'd like to keep something here, definitely the restaurant. And probably sort of small cheese making. Yeah. Here. So a lot of it must come from you. Just your need. You want to experiment. You want to kind of push it a bit and start doing different things. Yeah. So there's a lot of pride and there's a lot of interest. Yeah. You know, and, and actually I've discovered that cheese makers are much happier being challenged and, right. and 
being very proud so of it. So you're going to give yourself a whole new set of problems to solve, basically, yeah, and that will make I'm you happy. Solving problems. <laughs> well, I'm good at making problems. <laughs> yeah. um, if people are in um, County Cork, they can come along to the dairy, can't they, on? So it's pizza, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So we, we don't particularly, we're, we're looking very carefully into the um, yes. idea of having food tours. Yeah. But we're not at the moment, but we are... But they can come and eat a pizza and buy some... come and eat a some... pizza and we've got a lovely shop with, yeah. you know, probably the largest range of olives yeah. in Northern <laughs> Europe, in the middle of Inchiquila Parish. Um, in And it's Friday, Saturday, Sunday, very importantly. We have many people who turn up on Thursday. And oh, look very so disappointing. I know you would be if you came to this, because it's, um, it's an absolutely beautiful house with a big garden and um, a little kind of cafe attached to it. So, so yeah, unfortunately, we're here two are we here three days too early for pizza or hey, we're opening on friday on friday damn it never mind polishing up everything we got really. to eat burrata straight from the um um straight from the maker anyway so that's great but um thank you so much for coming to talk to us Pleasure. toby it's Love been really good thank you Bye. stick around for a cookery team chat about rice including tips from adam about how to cook it perfectly Okay, hi Adam, welcome to the podcast. Hello. Nice to see you, it's been a while. Yeah, I haven't been on for a while actually. (laughs) Um, So we got together today to talk about rice, because that is a feature that I've written about in our new May issue, which is out on the newsstands this week. Um, It's a really fascinating subject, and obviously rice is one of the most widely used ingredients in the world. Yeah, I mean, for, for many cultures, it's sort of the absolute sta- staple, isn't it? Really? It's a staple. It's like We've got the... like risotto, pilaf, mm-hmm. like biryani, paella, sushi, and we've got rice pudding. And we've got rice pudding, <laughs> as well as just plain like boiled rice, which is I've... eaten with like how many countless meals and for breakfast. I've... Yeah. And... I feel like we're kind of letting the side down though, because we really, I mean, it's not, I wouldn't say like it's a cornerstone of our cooking. Like I think ours is probably... Our starch is probably the potato. Yes. Although I would, I know my dad, really? my, my dad would kill me. I'd have rice over potatoes. But that's because my, my dad's Irish and I was forced yeah. to boil potatoes throughout my whole childhood. Yeah. So maybe I'm like, mm, I've gone off them a bit. So when I was reading about it, um, I read that there are over 40,000 varieties of rice, which, which is mad. But then when you think about it, obviously you know, it's varieties of varieties, as in there could be like a million varieties of long grain rice, which yeah, is one yeah. of the most popular, just with slight differences. Yeah. So, but um, but yeah, so the two main things that I found out as well were that um, the difference between a kind of hard grain, a hard starch and a soft starch, which dif- which is why you can't use risotto rice with your curry, yeah. as it won't well, be as nice. Yeah, exactly. So that's what I think what you were explaining to me is like there's sort of two camps, aren't yeah, there, of rice. Yeah. Um, to, to tell us about what, why that is or like about the... Yeah, so so basically science-wise, um, the two types of starch are amylose, which is a hard starch in rice, both starches though, and amylopectin, um, which is a starch which easily softens in water. And how much of each starch a rice contains determines how it cooks and what recipe is best for. But as a general rule, the longer the grain, the more amylose, that's a hard starch it right. contains. So if you think long grain rice, long, hard, when you when you cook it, it stays distinct mm-hmm. as, as opposed to um, soft, short grain rice, pudding rice, which yeah. just 
gets all creamy risotto so rice. that starch then dissolves into the water loads yeah. and then then sort of like like saying with a risotto and gives you that sort gives of creamy, that creamy texture yeah, yeah. and it gives out some of its starch as well which adds to the sauce yeah yeah but let's just talk about some of the um the varieties that you might know and love um Long grain rice, which we talked about, is it's one of the most widely available and used. It's also it's fairly cheap. It's pretty generic. Yeah, I was going to ask because is is that, is that like uh, it's that's just a term which covers a few variants. Yeah, so they I mean, just sort of just, just it's chuck literally, in. It is literally a generic term that covers that long rice, which is I mean it's not basmati. It hasn't got that fragrant colour. It will it will stay distinct when you cook it. You know it's it's cheaper. People serve it with like curries and. Um, stir fries um it's just it's just your it's just, bog, nice it's just your bog standard white yeah, rice yeah. anything that's labeled white rice mm-hmm. or long grain it covers all of that and, and um, what's what's the like a lot of long grain will be um quick cook what what does that really mean it just means it's been par cooked or par steamed right. so if you if it's got easy cook on it i mean oh, it's cook, not yeah. it's not actually any easier to cook it's like it just might take you five minutes less, less to cook it mm-hmm. but i mean i think it's all right. I was struggling to find a a situation where I would buy it over basmati because I love basmati. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I would literally just eat basmati out of the bowl on Same. its own because I really love it. So, but but as a kind of you know a bog standard rice or store cupboard rice, it it's it's fairly like inobnoxious. Um, and then basmati, which is which is my go-to for the long grain. Um, so it's grown in India and Pakistan primarily. And as we know, it's got this really gorgeous kind of yeah, yeah. such a subtle perfume aroma to it. And apparently that comes from um, aging the basmati. Yeah, so, that's re- I find that really interesting that they would age it. Yeah, I think what it does is it um, it concentrates the flavor because mm. obviously aging, it dries it. So you lose moisture and you yeah, concentrate yeah. whatever flavors in there mm-hmm. and really goes good basmati you would find with all rices you can use this as a as a, a sort of yardstick um obviously if you go into um a big catering place and they've got sacks of basmati what you'd be looking for is a very very pale white uniform no unbroken no, no unbroken no, no broken little bits, flex no, no. Little flex of dirt yeah um and i think really goes basmati is absolutely prized because mm-hmm. of you know it's perfect and when you cook it you get those gorgeous little fluffy grains yeah and it and it that stays all the grains mm. stay really separate when you cook them as well which is yeah. why obviously they use them for pilafs and things like that so yeah. it's kind of and your bir- biryani and when, and so like when you steam it um you know if you're doing biryani and you're like layering up the rice with with sauce and meat or fish and then you um <clears throat> put a lid on steam pull that lid off and and you fluff it up and it actually it, it sort of epitomizes the term fluffy rice yeah so. it really does and then a few more exotic long grains um jasmine again which is used a lot in um thailand, thailand South, yeah. southeast asia mm-hmm. um that gets slightly sticky i don't know if you've noticed when you've cooked it like yeah, when you have it with a thai curry mm-hmm. just kind of if you kind of you often get it where it's sort of molded into a nice little mound and it just kind of has a natural, very slight yeah, stickiness, yeah. which is great for just like All those sauces, up. all those yeah. Thai curries, coconut-based sauces. Yeah, because yeah. Thai curry is it's not a thick curry. It's no. meant to be kind of soupy, isn't it? Yeah, so you yeah. get that lovely... Which is why I love it. Yeah. <laughs> and again, it's got that lovely like little fragrance to it. Um, and then another one, which is um, black rice, mm-hmm. which is quite becoming quite um, popular. Um it's weird because it's grown in two 
separate places and yeah. prized in two separate places. So Southeast Asian and Chinese cooking, they love, love black it. rice, yeah, yeah. but also Italian. Mm. And they grow in Italy in Piedmont. Wonder whether Marco Polo did any yeah. sort of transporting <laughs> of it, you know? The old... I have no idea, but I'm sure <laughs> it has something to do with it. But it's weird that like both cuisines really prize it as a very special rice. But outside of that, there's kind of yeah, a little it's bit, not oh, it's, really, right. yeah. it's not that used. But definitely worth looking out for because it's got a lovely um, nutty flavour. Um, so black rice, as opposed to brown rice, yeah. which we were talking about before, because um, all brown rices, and you can get brown basmati, and if you get something called whole, whole grain rice or brown rice, is literally the same rice, the long grain rice or the basmati, but it's got the whole rice intact. So yes. it's got the hull intact. Yeah. So it has that out so basically it has that outer layer which for yeah, white rice is, is, is removed and the white yeah. rice then white well, polished off, I think they call it, isn't it? Polishing. Yeah. So there's two layers. The first layer is the hull, and mm-hmm. you have to remove that for the rice to be edible, whether right. it's brown or whatever. And then you've got the bran and the germ. Mm-hmm. In the brown rice, the bran and the germ covers um, the white interior um, so that would be your brown basmati or brown long grain when that's polished away you get long grain white or yeah. basmati white so. I think it's similar to like in flowers like a white flower is, yeah. is all of that endosperm and that germ removed mm-hmm. whereas whole grain has all of that and it has that more nutty darker probably more nutri- nutritious yeah. um, element to it yeah and yeah. if you if you if you're buying brown rice because you want more kind of <clears throat> carby or more nutrients in your diet, it is a good it is a good um, source of that because it's thought to have more. Well, it does have more fiber mm-hmm. and a few more vitamins and minerals. So just basically slightly healthier choice if you want to do that. Mm-hmm. And then moving on to the medium and short, these are sometimes interchangeable. When I was right when I was writing about them. Um, it kept the medium grain and short grain kept jumping from one yeah, category yeah. to the other. But essentially medium grain is approximately two thirds, two to three times the length to width. And short grain is just fractionally longer than wide. Right. So your medium grain champion rices are risotto and paella. Um, risotto rice, I mean, I love it. I didn't even know there was a thing going on. with. I mean, I, I kind of heard different varieties, but apparently in Italy, people prize the different rices for their different qualities. Really? Because you kind of buy, just buy risotto rice. Yeah. And it kind of either has a different, like you might buy Carnoli or, or, or Piedmont or like one of those different ones. Mm. But you kind of like, yeah, you don't know. You that just it's think sort of risotto. Yeah, I think you if you were like heavily into your risotto, I think if you, if you went to see, um, you know, an Italian chef who was really into risotto, they would probably choose. They'd have a specific. Yeah. Yeah, like yeah. the three main varieties are, um, so there's um, Arborio, which is probably the most yeah, widely most known. Common. Yeah, and the yeah. one that we know about the most. And then, um, and that's actually named after the Italian town in Piedmont where it originated. Then um, Conaroli, which is slightly firmer. Um, and apparently that's considered one of the best rice varieties for risotto. So it basically just means that you get a, you're more, you've got more chance of getting that nice al dente sort of slight bite Yeah, yeah, bite yeah. I rice. think that's the thing is is like it's the constant balance between getting the creaminess mm. from the starch being released mm. and getting the little... I mean, I think I've been in restaurants, I don't know about you, where I feel like they've undercooked because they're too yeah. scared of cook- overcooking yeah, yeah, yeah. it. It's like, I don't want to be crunching on this No, no, because it can be really chalky when it's undercooked. <clears throat> it can have that sort of like, yeah, yeah it's like almost like claw- like dry, cloying yeah, texture. Yeah, I, I don't, I wouldn't order risotto when I'm out. Really? No, I do. I actually know. Would you? Well, I, I can't tell you the last time I did, but I might. <laughs> if I was in a really 
amazing Italian restaurant, I would definitely order like a filled pasta because I think like the skill yeah, of doing the skill that. Of it. Yeah, yeah. But risotto, I kind of feel like it's well, I don't know. Sorry, <laughs> sorry, Italy. Um, I just feel like a little bit. It can be really samey, and but I think that's why if you did order in a restaurant, it doesn't come in a massive big vat. You would mm. have like a really small amount of it. Mm-hmm. It would be really lovely flavored. Yeah, it would yeah. be perfectly cooked. Then yeah, you know, it's good. So it's good. Um, and paella rice. Um, Again, sold generically usually as paellas. But if you see bomba paella, that is actually a paella rice variety. And it's really prized because um, the grains can absorb up to three to four times their volume. Amazing. Which is why you get that, you know, you get that amazing paella liquid as your base. Mm -hmm. And then you get your bomba paella rice and it just soaks it all up. So you can get as much of that flavoured stock that, you know, that you've made or anything into the rice. Because on its own... Um, it doesn't taste of anything. Mm. So that's why you need it for paella. Really? Yeah. <laughs> and then another another um, medium grain rice, which is a speciality rice, is sushi rice. So mm-hmm. I would not go and use risotto rice. When you're or, trying to make sushi. Or pudding rice, which I once saw someone in a cookery magazine said, if you can't get sushi right, use pudding rice. Don't. It's not the same. Like sushi rice as a specific, specific yeah. type of rice that has been um, grown to have the specific kind of things that are needed to make brilliant sushi. Mm-hmm. So it's that slightly, ever so slightly sticky, yeah. but not too. Yeah, it's yeah. just got a bit that yeah. slight stickiness to it. Sticky but not claggy. Yeah. So when you when you um, when you season the rice and then you form it into when you form it into your sushi rolls or whatever, it just it just stays together. Yeah. But it's got like a gentle bite to it as well. So mm-hmm. always look for sushi rice. It's usually uh, it's pretty, pretty it's much pretty always labelled as yeah. sushi rice. So yeah. that's what you should be looking for. Um, and then on to our like um, short grain rice, which is pudding rice, which is one of our favorite things in this country i'm a massive fan of rice pudding not one of mine Isn't i don't it? mind it it's all right see that's the thing like i wouldn't plow through <laughs> a big plate of risotto because i find eat. it really boring but for some reason like when you when it comes to rice pudding um, um i mean what, what would you eat it with as well there's a bit we had a bit of a debate in the office some people were jam but that's a bit sort of school days or i would just have it just as have it, it. Just, as it comes but not with i'm not like um I remember my mom saying when her and her brother used to fight over, you know, you get that skin, that skin on the top. On top. Yeah, and I know some people are really into that, but um, no. I'm all about that creamy bit underneath, basically. Yeah. <laughs> I did. I, I did. I, when we tested it and, and shot it, I, I did very much enjoy it. Yeah. As like, a, mm, yeah, this is nice. Yeah. But I, I don't think. <laughs> you have I to just, be persuaded. Yeah, yeah, a little bit. Um, so just quickly to finish, I know that you're a bit of a an expert on rice cooking and you've got a little perfect method. So so we're talking cooking basmati here. For, yes, so yeah. I would just, yeah, Talk either basmati or jasmine or long grain, yep. to be honest. Um, this is the absorption method. So okay. Which I um, never use. <laughs> which, yeah, which a lot of people uh, don't use. Um it's pretty simple, really. Okay. Well, actually, it's pretty simple. I'm probably going to talk about it for about 10 minutes. Go on. <laughs> um, easy. easy um, it's, so weigh your rice or measure it because it's always, I always just use double volume or weight rice to water. Okay. I didn't, that, if that doesn't make sense. If you've got 100 grams of rice, 200 grams of water or 200 milliliters of water. Right. Um, pinch of salt into a pan. Like usually a small plant, you don't want a huge, you don't want too much surface area along yeah, the bottom. Yeah, because it all, um, that will affect, evaporate. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, and um, bring to the boil. Yeah. Boil it for one minute without the lid on. 
Okay. Turn it down to to like the lowest setting on a gas hob. Yeah. Put a lid on it. Cook it for gently for ten minutes. Take it off the heat and le- let it steam with the lid on still for ten minutes, and you'll have perfect rice every time. Every single time. Every single time. Okay. I'm cooking rice tonight, so I'm going to oh, go God. and try that. <laughs> I'm um, coming in tomorrow, and I'm going to feed back. For the letters and complaint, we do have a PO box uh, number somewhere <laughs> for people. <laughs> yeah. PO box XXXX. Yes, but that for me works. Yeah. 75% of the time, every time. Okay, I'm going <laughs> to... You said 100%. I'm going to try that <laughs> No, tonight. no, it does work 100%. It does work. Brilliant. That is good. Cool. Okay, well, thank you very much for that, Adam. No, thank and you. thanks for the tip. Cheers. So that was the Olive Magazine podcast. If you like this episode, please head over to iTunes and leave a review. We'd love to hear from you. If you'd like to find out more information on things in this episode, you can visit our website, olivemagazine.com. You can pick up a copy of our brand new May issue with all the info about rice on the newsstand now or go and download the app version. Bye for now and we'll be back next week with more food and drink chat.